0: one of the potential little mini side projects hunter we have talked about doing someday and i don't know in what context at all but mm-hmm. you, you have been long working on a a list of 70 star trek episodes you want me to watch as a person who's never watched star Trek. yeah yeah
1: right right um, i'm doing my own cut of yes. star trek the next generation where because the i there's like some some lists on the internet of like watch these 40 episodes. Don't watch any of the bad ones. And I think you need to watch some of the bad ones in order to appreciate this show because the the show (laughs) builds on itself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what would be the star Wars equivalent to that? Are you a star Wars? Were you a big star Wars kid? I, I wasn't, I don't care about star Wars that much. I watched, I mean like every kid in the nineties, like I was excited for the prequels and I would rent uh, the three original movies on VHS pretty often, but I can't say I was ever actually invested in Star Wars culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I liked. Uh, I, I'm going to be a little weird. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I like oh, Star oh, yeah, Wars. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah, yeah kind yeah, of a yeah. weird. Like I'm a kind Chubby. of a cool, interesting person. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Liked Star Wars when I was a child. um Don't really care too much about it now. I yeah. like one way or the other. No, I don't strongly dislike Star Wars. Uh, but I also do not care uh, much for it. Yeah, I am so actually at this point
0: in my life more interested in in now going back to the annoyingly decanonized stuff. Like I want to read what is it, the Thrawn trilogy, the Thrawn novels, or, or yeah, whatever. I want to read. Yeah, some why of do that you want to cool. do that? Why uh, do you want to do that? I, I, I'm interested in maybe anything, especially this game has has pushed that to the forefront of like, not that really that much interesting stuff, like new. That people rarely embark on incredibly new things with Star Wars, it feels like, but I my vibe is that maybe in the, the late 80s and 90s, some people were doing that, and then mm-hmm. in the late, uh, you know, or in, in the early 2010s, all of that was ripped away from us in terms of Disney being like, nah, it's all fake, but I'm kind of like, I want to go back and see what Disney got rid of. I want to know what they thought was, like, not okay, and how much
1: of it is... Maybe decent. You know, no one can tell you that something <laughs> I know, isn't right. canon. <laughs> just so sure. you know. Like yeah, I, I just agree, because I agree. Disney said that and it's messed up and it I think it it there's obviously uh cultural ramifications and uh economic ramifications for people mm. that worked on a lot of stuff. Uh I feel like at in the at the end of the day, you can do what you will with the fiction in right. your brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely like And I'll tell you this, my cut of Star Wars. Here's let me tell you my cut of Star Wars. Okay, this is how I watch Star Wars. I watch Star Wars: A New Hope, and then I watch Empire Strikes Back. At the end, Luke finds out that Darth Vader is—I'm sorry to spoil it. Whoa, the Big Papa. (laughs) Star Wars. I like it. They say at the end of the movie,
0: I like it when you call me Big Papa,
1: and then it cuts to black. (laughs) Um. And then after you watch Empire strikes back it's like a really interesting cut. Is this machete
0: um, order? Is that what this is called? Isn't this that? Well, no,
1: this is the, I have kind of my own take on it. Um oh, okay. so here, so so you watch Star Wars a new hope and then you watch Empire strikes back. And then you move on with your life. Yeah. Um you kind of just like walk right out the door and you just, <laughs> just pretend it was like a horror science fiction saga. Where a little boy thinks he's about to go on an adventure, and yet he finds out who his daddy is, and then runs away in horror. Yeah. Never to be seen of again, and the, the, the universe continues to be ruled yeah. by a large Robo Man with a great hat. I have a similar
0: one, and it is uh, you first watch uh, Star Wars Rogue One. You have no idea what the hell anyone is talking about or what's going on and then you never watch another movie ever again because it didn't make any sense okay and it was okay, really so. dark and depressing let's
1: keep let's keep let's these are lists okay matt we have to keep track of these so hunter's cut star wars A New hope empire strikes back and then follow that up with the rest of your life yes yeah and then your cut of star wars is just rogue wood yeah yeah, and and
0: not and don't enjoy it. Like it's, it's like there are people that really like Rogue One. <laughs> no but what googling. I'm saying is, yeah, Star what I Star <laughs> Wars
1: Rogue One and no googling. Let's go. There, nerds. Hey. It's Whoa. old old gamers almanac. Yeah, you're a nerd. Whoa. You're a nerd. <laughs> Someone should tell you this at this point. Uh, <laughs> if you've gotten this far, you are a nerd, and mm-hmm. hey, I love you for it. Yep. I, I don't I mean, obviously, this makes me, you know, uh pop a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Hunter Donaldson, I'm your host. I'm joined today with uh interesting guest uh Matt. Hello. It's I'm, uh, Matt. Matt. I'm an yeah. interesting guest here to be interesting, interesting. guest, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is a show where we talk about every single video game ever made, one week at a time, one game at a time. Don't make games anymore. Mm -hmm. We're going to rank all of them in a definitive list that will never change unless we change it. And then that list will be definitive. Our definitiveness exists in the present and (laughs) it does not exist in the past and or future. Right now, as I'm talking, I'm 100% correct. Mm -hmm. But later, I might not be. Well, you might have not been
0: correct then, but are now correct in the future.
1: Yes. I am presently correct. In the past and future, I make no
0: guarantees, but right right now this is the correct. So today we are talking about Star Wars Shadows of an Empire, um, which is originally a, well, was going to be a Nintendo 64 launch title. That actually missed that window by just, a, I mean, like a couple months. It was still a holiday. It was still part of the everybody who got an N64 for Christmas Christmas. probably got Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, hey, I did. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then was very soon after released on PC as well. Uh, Today. You can still play that PC version of the game because GOG.com, GOG, you know, the the wonderful purveyors of old PC games uh, brought it back to us. And so it is still, uh, I'll put this in air quotes, playable.
1: Yeah, you can play it. (laughs) I mean, it's playable. I mean, it is playable. Yeah, it is playable. I don't want to make it sound like it's not playable because it is playable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this
0: this game, uh, I think, has a deeply interesting history. You can actually, there's a book about the making of this game, but there's also some like youtube documentaries about this game there's one from uh saint million called the making of shadows of the empire i think i said shadows of an empire earlier i'll correct myself now Um, but regardless it's a pretty good video it's maybe a little dry at times but it's got great interviews like they, they got some awesome interviews with one of the creators of of this thing so it's worth checking out uh just to cover sort of the basics of it though this was a follow-up to uh, the Star Wars Dark Forces game, which were PC first person shooter games. Well, and it wasn't it wasn't a direct follow-up. Not a direct follow-up, but no, but it's it's yeah. the 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 stuff uh, immediately after those games, which were like monumental PC hits. Like that it was a big those were big deal games. Yeah, and so- LucasArts at the time was like, hey. Uh, maybe we should really kind of cash in on this stuff
1: yeah so a little more background on that so lucas arts uh starts making video games in like what the late 80s mm-hmm. i don't remember when they're making like day of the tentacle and stuff like that um and then in the early 90s george lucas uh starts the whole like let's expand the fiction of star wars in alternate media yeah. stuff which is when the star wars books all start coming out um and then Dark Forces happens. And I feel like um, I'm pulling this from, I don't remember where, Dark Forces sort of happens without George Lucas even really understanding what it is. Mm. Like, I think he sees the game at one point and is just like, oh, it's Doom, I guess, but with Star Wars. <laughs> uh-huh. um, if, if George Lucas even knew what Doom was at that point, I don't know. That game comes out in 1995, like early 95, is uh, does well. Um, and then I feel like because it did well, because there were money stuff to it, yeah. George Lucas started sniffing opportunity, you know, because you know, you know how that man works. Yeah. And, hey, I don't blame him. Yeah. Uh, get get money, you know? Get well, money. Well, give, I'll
0: give George Lucas some credit, too. I, I think what George Lucas is good about is, like, oh, yeah, he's he's he just wants where the money's going to be, but he, it's because he likes to put that money to, like, use to try maybe something kind of crazy. Like, he's like, listen, if I can get the suits on board... I can do a really dumb, crazy idea with all of their money. And uh, you get stuff like Jar Jar Binks, which is a technological marvel. And I won't hear any argument otherwise.
1: Uh, So, yeah, that's the only (laughs) thing people think about. Wait, Matt, what? (laughs) what did you just do <laughs> what i just won't talking I, I, about i'm i'm not
0: a i'm a i'm a george are you lucas about to apologist? derail this
1: podcast yeah you're
0: very okay all right go ahead
1: no what no do you no got? i don't What's i got your nothing? No. No, no 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 you can't just say that yeah and I then can. just be like let's move on no, anyways i absolutely can't that
0: let's move on uh the what? george lucas has the special edition and the prequels on the horizon uh they were actually supposed to come out in 96 and 97 and then delays happened. The uh, whatever it's anniversary, the 20th anniversary becomes when the special editions are going to release. So 1996 becomes the like, let's start kind of rebuilding up the hype for Star Wars. Uh, We live in a modern day revival of Star Wars stuff, but essentially Shadows of the Empire was born of an idea of uh, and you'll hear it in the documentary and you'll hear it all around the movie without a movie. They want this thing to be a huge big deal Star Wars thing. Uh, And it it ends up being a multimedia experience. There's going to be a video game, but there's also uh, a wonderfully scored soundtrack that is like on par with Star Wars soundtracks, at least from there, like the people making it John Williams in shambles. Well, sure. Uh, And then there's a book that goes along with it, and there's a series of comics that goes along with it. It's all kind of one big story all being told in these different uh, mediums.
1: I actually do really like the music in this game uh, quite a bit. Uh, There is this one kind of i i mean they do use a lot of john williams music in uh it to be fair so joel mcneely uh does some really good work here uh on the soundtrack there's some very i mean it it really fits in well uh with john williams stuff um with one with one piece in particular that like really gets stuck in my head and it's the piece from the second level of the game which is where you're uh escaping echo base uh from the beginning of empire strikes back uh, it has this like kind of creepy Star Wars vibe to it. Mm-hmm. it sounds very close to something that is in uh, the the original score, um, but I I really like it. It's good. The music is good.
0: Yeah, I mean they were put. They were literally putting everything they could behind this game. This this was intended as a big thing, um, but also like we noted earlier, it was it was coming out for the N sixty four, but it was delayed because the team. Uh, was biting off maybe more than they could chew, or maybe someone was telling them to, to bite off more than they said they could ever try to chew. <laughs> uh, because the big thing you'll note about this game, if you ever can play it uh, or whatever, is it's like three or four video games in one big package. I mean, it, it is like a huge kind of monumental project in terms of all of the systems in place. Uh, so,
1: Hunter, can you kind of describe all of the various game modes yeah so the so the way the game is structured is it is uh there's a level select menu Mm -hmm. and then there are levels uh the levels kind of have a mixtape feel in that yeah like matt is alluding to uh the levels kind of go in a lot of different directions mechanically there is uh the first level which actually was uh really impressive to critics at the time which is like a hoth um what are are those things called those like speeders they use battle speeders i don't know yeah i don't know what they're called um snow speeders that's what they're called um so it's this uh level where you're flying in a snow speeder uh and it was very impressive to critics uh people really liked it it ended up uh kind of becoming rogue squadron a game that was probably much better received than this game uh uh, that came out later uh, for the n64 um it's a really cool level a lot of people, I think, mistakenly thought that the whole game would be really good because this level was really good. And then there's the rest of the game. um there's there's a racing level, which is uh, on the PC port, completely untenable. Uh, right. I would say borderline broken doesn't even make sense. Um, <laughs> there are, and that one should be noted is almost a precursor to uh, the
0: pod racing game in terms of like, oh, sure. the I sort of vibe about of it. I, I mean, I think this game is a, a sampler platter of all of the star wars games to come over the next decade or so
1: yeah especially games on the n64 because it sounds like a lot of the tech in this game just got lent to these other teams at lucas arts right so they could kind of build on top of it um the primary or i would say most most often mode is a third person shooter mode with uh very interesting uh controls on the n64 and even more interesting controls on the pc <laughs> very interesting kind i of control love the scheme. use of the word interesting in this it's very good um like it a lot yeah. uh there is a turret section where you sit in a turret and shoot at stuff we don't really have to talk about that one very much uh-huh. um i hate it it's like uh the and then there shooter. is i think I think another flying level where you are flying a millennium falcon type ship. And it's a little more like, um, I would describe it more like star Fox whenever you can just go wherever you want during a boss battle or whatever. Yeah. That that
0: whole level is on rails shooter turret thing. And then it immediately feeds into the like, yeah, star star Fox boss, uh, battle flight, which is kind of also how the snow speeder level is. Those two are similar mechanically, but one is, way out in that open space the other is on the planet so yeah this hits a lot of gameplay modes and they developed this game very quickly which means and to the to the designer's own admission they did not get to invest nearly as much into any of the individual games as they would have liked to and you you can kind of feel it where it's like wow it's amazing that they're coming up with all these things but none of them got the care and attention to like really make them feel uh uh, like I don't I don't want to say balanced, but like very methodical. Um, there there is stuff in it where it's just sort of like, well, we're just gonna have to live with that being uh, either buggy or weird to maneuver or whatever.
1: Yeah, what do you feel like is is really buggy about the game? I I think that there's like
0: a, a a certain level of it. The train level is one that I think really speaks to me in in this regard, where it's like the train level is incredibly long. You you are but like, and technically impressive, especially for the time, like the idea that you're on this sort of like moving platform and you're like jumping between another platform on an adjacent, uh, train track or whatever, but the control scheme doesn't always, uh, match with what it's asking you to do. There's a lot, there's like a very weird floatiness in that level where you're like, if you jump while you're going like around a curve, you, you like, like you jump with the curve not with the train kind of thing and like mm-hmm. little stuff like that little mechanical fine tunings that didn't get time to like actually fix or make maybe the way they intended they just sort of had to live with like well and this part's really floaty and weird oh well the sand level is another one where hunter you described it as um moon shoes or what what did you say you got floaty shoes on during a um, big chunk of that level
1: yeah uh butter shoes is butter what I called shoes. them because they're yeah because you can uh there's this level called Gall Spaceport um, that's really long and probably my favorite level in the game. But at the very beginning, you are walking along um, these kind of very, very thin, like, kind of platforms, like, jutting out the side of a cliff. Like, it's yeah. like a cliff side. Right. Um It doesn't quite even register as that because it's we're so early with uh, 3D graphics at this point. Yeah. But occasionally, Dash Randar, who's the name of the character you play... Uh, has butter shoes and will just <laughs> slip right off and and into nothing. And yeah. I remember this being true on the N sixty four version of the game. Um, right. In the most recent playthrough, I was playing on the PC. Um, and yeah, it he just he just gets excited and his shoes <laughs> are made of butter, so he will slip off into nothing. Yeah. Um, very like very cool level though. It's just like there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with in the Right. I mean, like for me, I think I have a different perspective on this than Matt, which is that. This, this game is superseded by, like, a bunch of Star Wars games that come afterwards. Yes. Like, it does nothing better right. than anything that comes later. Right. Like, in no way. But it is amazing to me that it was able to do so many different things. Yep. And be, like, kind of a first I, I for that. I think the design
0: practice of it, like, it is a well-designed and, like, in. Inst- conceptualized game they had amazing big ideas and they just were not given the time to make them all as good as they as that team could have and you can see that they could have they just literally didn't have the time to do it is is i think definitely how,
1: the, how it feels i think of it more i don't think of it as like uh they should have had more time so that the game could have been better i think of it as this game walked so so many other star wars games yeah. afterwards could run totally and yeah and e- as a kid the reason this game kind of lives in my memory is because it blew my mind several different ways yeah. as I was playing it because of the mixtape nature of it. Mm-hmm. And then had like it felt like there was no real reason to go back to it because, of course, if you liked this game, then all you had to do was wait a couple years yeah. and they handed you a much better version of that single idea. Yeah. But I think there's something special about a game that puts so much spaghetti on the wall. Right that everyone else for the next five years is just kind of picking through it and being like, you know, this level could have been a whole game. How about we just focus on that? And going forward with Star Wars games in general, they all become very focused as far as what aspect of the Star Wars universe they want to adapt. They never do this again. They never are just like... Let me try and deliver you an entire Star Wars movie, you know, whole hog. Right. They never. They're just like, nah, this is the flying one. Here's the racing one. Here's the Jedi one where you have a lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Like, it stays so focused going forward. Even when they do just the,
0: like, sort of generic, like, here is the Phantom Menace video game. That right. game doesn't have the same vibe of like let's kind of hit every style of action that Star Wars has, right? There's like the, like that that's what this game is accomplishing is this yeah. idea of like well there's space flight stuff, there's like on planets chase scenes, there's there's battles with bounty hunters and lightsabers and
1: guns and all that like the the Star well, Wars. Well, that's the one thing that's the doesn't one doesn't have a thing lightsaber. They- There is no lightsaber in Shadows of the Empire, which maybe that's the one thing they left on the table. Yeah, Um, but I think, too, from a plot perspective, the
0: story of this game is actually, I think, really interesting and really good as well in terms of trying to be a part of Star Wars canon without interfering with the movies in any, like, significant way. Although what's hilarious is, like, this game comes out and then a year later the special editions come out, The you know, the, the kind of remasters mm-hmm. of the original three movies, and they kind of throw some of it, like, at least, what, there's, like, one instance where Dash's ship is in the movie and you and you can be like, oh, wait, I, I played the game and that's that guy, and so this is all, all right. connected and it all actually makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, they put, it's in A New Hope. There is a wide shot of... uh it's on it's in the tattooing part towards the beginning of the movie i think it's a wide shot of m- moss eisley but i could be i mean i don't i don't really remember sure. but uh actually it's got to be moss eisley because i think that's the only sh- uh city they go to but it's a wide shot of the city and you see in the background dash rendar's ship yeah it's like kind of hanging out i, leaving I or like something
0: this is at a time where from this is me getting very very personal with it The thing I don't like about Star Wars in the modern day in 2022 is how constantly self-referential it is. And, like, even their biggest budget movies are just like, remember C-3PO? Oh, yay! Like, oh, Luke, remember him again? But, like, at this era, when it's like we're opening up to an expanded universe, it's still novel and cute when it's like, oh, and Han Solo's going to show up for just a minute. And then we're going to, like, do our own. But, like it kind of intersecting with the main plot is still cool. And I think it's done in a way where it's still deeply focused on the, the story it's telling in its own moment and just letting it brush adjacent to it. Um, I I think that stuff is cool because this is telling the story of this, this evil guy who's trying to basically undercut Darth Vader. and, And, and like he wants to be, uh, the right hand man of the emperor, uh, and, and like, the, the seedy underbelly of the, the plots that are happening even within the bad guys' storylines. And Dash is like sort of a Han Solo-like, but he's really doing his own stuff too. And at times working with Leia and Luke and uh, Han Solo. And I, I just think all that stuff is interesting in a way that I wanted to throw out a, a random recommendation, even though I do not engage with nearly enough Star Wars media to recommend this. But something closer to modern day that I think has a similar vibe that I enjoyed was a book called star Wars from a certain point of view. And it's a collection of short stories that are all, it is the plot of new hope, but told from like D tier, like non-referenced characters, the made up characters mostly, but it's just like, what if we told the exact plot of a new hope, but from all of the people sort of surrounding the main events instead of from the main characters themselves. And that vibe is pretty cool. And something I feel like is happening in this game as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've also heard of that book. I've never read it, though. Um, but I like that back in the day, they used to try to make Star Wars feel big. Yeah. I felt like there was just a general bigness to um, like the what they were going for. And maybe, maybe Star Wars has lost that a little bit. Um, the world of Star Wars maybe feels really small because mm-hmm. we're always referencing back to a very small pool of characters, whereas... Right. You know, A New Hope has like a random reference to an N64 game in it. Right. You know, like <laughs> right. that's that's kind of a weird a weird pull. I don't know that we would. I I just feel like the the brand the IP is so focused now mm-hmm. in a way that in the 90s it felt like it it didn't really have a focus. It was kind of just like just go out and make yeah. whatever you want. Right. It, it if anything, it's sort of like it's sort of like franchising in the sense of like a mcdonald's might well wait no it's not like a mcdonald's it's like it's like i'm let's say i have some science fiction story that i think is great maybe it can live as a star wars story but would not make it on its own as its right. own thing right. so we just slap star wars on it and then i do whatever <laughs> i want which i i think was kind of the philosophy of a lot of the the writers in yeah. the expanded universe era Right. Yeah. Anything that doesn't explicitly
0: have a Jedi, I think, is could have been any sci fi setting. And they like basically anything with bounty hunters or whatever is like, well, I mean, this is just any this could be any sci fi setting and you decided to put it in Star Wars. And that's fine. That's cool. Like, I, I I, think that's good. That's good stuff. So, uh, well, let's get back into the game itself. Then should we talk about kind of our. Our recent playthroughs or hunter you're the one with history in this game i never played it um on
1: on my nintendo 64 back in the late 90s but you did i did play this game um it came out um in that holiday window um when i got the n64 so i got mario 64 and i got this Mm -hmm. um it actually started kind of a trend for me of i think with the gamecube uh, I got Luigi's Mansion and Rogue Squadron 2. So there was kind of like a new Nintendo console comes with a Star Wars licensed game and then some sort of Mario product, which is very strange. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of, I was honestly more, and now I was a child. I was sure. like six or seven, I think. No, I was seven whenever I played this game. Um, I was actually more impressed, I think, by Shadows of the Empire than I was of mario 64 at the time obviously mario 64 is a a much better game but (laughs) shadows of the empire was like full 3d there was a lot going on in the levels the levels felt more vast they're huge yeah in mario 64 you kind of get and it's smart in mario 64 all the design choices are uh, gonna live on forever Whereas shadows of the empire basically doesn't is obsolete in like three years and in a number of ways but Mario 64 levels at the time felt like you could kind of get a grasp on all of it. It felt kind of closed in a way that didn't allow my imagination to just kind of run wild as Uh a kid. Whereas Shadows of the Empire felt like it was trying to give me access to, like, a larger Star Wars world, basically. Um, And I didn't feel this sense of, like, I know the whole shape of the whole level at once. It it had enough... um, enough space to kind of play with where it kind of let my imagination run wild in a way yeah. that Mario 64 I feel like did not at the time. Now I understand that, you know, uh focus design is better than, <laughs> you know, something that just kind of goes off in a myriad of directions. But at the time I felt like I could think about the game a lot more. And it got me really excited about Star Wars. I feel like even um because this was around the time that I was watching the movies for the first time. So it was cool being able to play these video games that sort of felt like my Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. the movies belonged to my parents and, like, uh, people that were older than me. But the video games, only I knew about that stuff. Uh-huh, right. Did you engage with, the like, the comic at all or any, any of that stuff? No, any,
0: yeah. no, just, no, no, no. I didn't know about any of that.
1: Um, I, I read some Star Wars books back in the day, but not not the books having to do with, with Shadows this. of the Empire. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't play it, uh, at all. I
0: barely knew it existed. Um, cause I don't think I got a Nintendo 64 for like, until the next Christmas. Like, I do not think I got a launch Nintendo 64. That might not be true, I don't know. I had 1080 snowboarding and cruising USA. I, I lived in a different world <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with my Nintendo 64 experience.
1: Why did you have cruising USA and 1080 snowboarding? Because I can understand having one of those, but this maybe was not, not.
0: None of this was things that were requested by me or my brother. It was the Nintendo 64 was the new thing. We probably kind of wanted it. And those were two games that were on the shelf that my parents got us with the console. They knew that, that they games...
1: understood.
0: They saw like a car and they're like, I, I mean, know what maybe, a car is. Maybe, maybe, they, they literally just grabbed. I bet it was like at Walmart, the, the, the Nintendo 64 is on the bottom part of the shelf. And then they looked up one rack. They looked up a literally just one thing and went, I'll grab those two games. Cause they're sitting above the Nintendo and looked no further. I, that, yeah. that literally might be, I did not own Super Mario 64 until I was like a teenager or older. Like I went back right. and bought an Nintendo um, Super Mario 64. It's not a game I played, uh, back at that point. So yeah, I, I, I was not there to be marveled by the new, uh amazing things that this system could do uh and that the playstation could do better <laughs> 3d stuff like i all these things i i was not a part of that conversation with the nintendo 64 of like whoa we've entered a new era of video games this was almost even though we had a super nintendo and played it i did not think of it as like a big move forward i just thought of it as like another video game console that i can own i guess
1: yeah well that's cool i i i think that it It's, I don't know, it's just weird thinking about how for me this was like this huge revolution. And I and I I actually felt like at the time, I don't know if I, maybe listeners disagree, but I actually felt like N64 was better at the 3D games yeah. than the PlayStation was. In that when I looked at N64 games, I found them mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. It's just that so many of them felt, and I think this has to do with the cartridge thing, so many of them felt brief, you know, yeah. they were like, they were these big 3d games that then i don't know you would finish it so quickly and this is one of those games i mean there's not a lot of meat yeah. on the bone right when it comes to star wars shadows of the empire and a lot of n64 games felt like this i mean mario 64 and ocarina of time are the exceptions to the rule and banjo kazooie exceptions to the rule yeah as far as like how much content they had totally uh, in them how much stuff there was to do how much game there was to experience yeah and I this one is a. Uh,
0: part of what uh, built what what my tolerance these days is for games, right? I, I have great difficulty completing a game that is over 25 hours long. <laughs> but I I am in this Nintendo era of 64 games that are just like, yeah, yeah, it's probably like, I don't know, eight, eight to 12 hours. And that's it. If if even yeah. that, a lot of these are much shorter than even that. So, yeah, I'm 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 this is more my tempo, which is unfortunate because in the preparation for this uh, episode, Hunter, I'm sorry, I've 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 let you down, bud. I didn't finish this game. I didn't I didn't play. I I'll be honest, I didn't probably play even half of this game. Uh, cause it it hurt me. It physically hurt me to try to play this game. I yeah I was deeply not enjoying the process of
1: playing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You just you kind of bounced off it. Or I mean, I well, I mean, I'm sure there are many reasons you bounced off it. I I feel like it's early 3D. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that you wouldn't like that. But let's talk about the control scheme. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Hunter, you, you streamed this whole game and you did it with the
0: PC setup because the control screen is uh, is is crazy. Uh, in the flying levels, your mouse is sort of like your joystick. It's like a yaw controller. like But like literally any subtle movement takes your ship. Like you really would have to crank the sensitivity way down to prohibit yourself from like doing any sort of crazy thing. And I don't even know that you have that level of control with this thing. Uh, And then it's just like keyboard buttons that there's not really a specific way to remember them. You have, you have the ability to pull up a menu that just shows you what they are. But the big thing is between each of the game modes, the control schemes can kind of change uh, drastically. And, and what was, you know, the button to fire is now like a different thing entirely or whatever.
1: Yeah. So on the pc port the way it works is you have your it's a mouse and keyboard setup except for the mouse is the mouse and keyboard sort of have a lot of redundancies between them so the control scheme i ended up settling on was for certain things i would use mouse and keyboard yeah for other things i would use only keyboard right and and it switched rapidly so flying you would basically have to use the mouse and it was a nightmare because the mouse sensitivity i could not get it right i mean even i even have a mouse that that changes the dpi settings and even that i could just not get it to it was either i i barely can move or my my ship is like turning on a dime yeah (laughs) yeah so that's really tough um in, in general, the sensitivity just ended up being um, a problem that I was really never ever able to solve. So the flying missions were very, very difficult, especially the last one, because there is um, in the final mission, there is sort of a simulation of the Death Star Trench Run. It's yeah. not a Death Star, but it's sort of, it basically playing off of that. Yeah. So you're in a tight space and you have to fly very precisely. And that was very, very difficult yeah. on uh, the PC <laughs> experience. I guarantee you there are people out there that know how to optimize this for something matt you were even telling me that you got it to work on the steam controller pretty well right, right. well I, so i got a whole i got a whole
0: thing to do about the beauty of steam controller and my excitement for the upcoming steam deck because of how much it's building off the legacy of the steam controller so i want to do that as
1: soon as you're done covering all your controller side of things because i got a whole bit. Sure. um so uh the other part that's like really tricky right is when dash is on foot um, you can use the mouse to sort of aim to shoot, which is useful. And there's a generous auto aim with yes. this game. So it's not, like, it's not like they're not trying to help you out or like they're not aware that this is kind of tricky. And also we're in the early days of the, these types of games anyways. So a lot of things are not figured out. But it's very difficult to like do the platforming segments and like be able to shoot at the yeah. same time. Because if you're using the mouse you're very just kind of imprecise dash can like move to again it has to do with the sensitivity uh, which i was never able to get correct um so a lot of times i would just kind of like only use keyboard controls whenever i was on the ground which was very strange and if you remember before we talked about the whole butter shoes thing that would kick in a lot in that dash sometimes just doesn't his feet do not touch the ground i don't understand why and then yeah he's just sliding around like it like a figure skater like a bad figure skater (laughs) that's about to fall and and break their hip yeah um also we should talk about dash's design real quick um he uh is duke nukem he looks like duke nukem (laughs) we can continue now okay great uh so yeah
0: i my recommendation to people uh wanting to approach this game Because I I did make it significantly more approachable for myself, which is why it's even less fair that I didn't give it enough time uh, in the sun. But you can go into the Steam Controller settings, and this game is not optimized for Steam Controllers, but that doesn't matter. You can always still use a certain degree of Steam Controller functionality. And when I say Steam Controller, I don't mean you have to be using the Steam Controller. The way Steam Controller's settings now work is like any controller you plug in, you can get into their controller stuff and like rewrite everything. And it is it is an insane amount of uh, customizability and like accessibility stuff. You can do a ton with these things. And the best part of it is people can post their builds and make them open for other people to use so you can find top rated stuff and uh, they even utilize this thing called uh, I think their modes or, or something like that basically you can have like four or five or more different settings that your controller does which is perfect for this game. Like this is the perfect game to try to get working on a Steam controller because if you can make it work, you've really overcome a significant hurdle. So like there was a mode I switched to when I was flying a ship and then there was a mode I switched to when I was walking around with Dash Rendar. The problem is because the game is not optimized for Steam UI stuff, there's nothing telling you what mode you are in, so I would, like, you press the back button to switch between these, I'm just, I I would just be at the start of a level, like, hitting back, hit A, nope, that's not what it's supposed to do, hit back again, hit A, nope, like, cycling through the different modes to try to find the control scheme that was the one that was going to work with this game mode, or whatever, and, uh, it it was kind of that with every single level, it would reset itself all the time. Like it was just a very busted experience. Um, even though when it worked, it was like, hey, this actually feels like I'm kind of just playing it on the Nintendo sixty four or whatever uh, with a with a modern controller with my my eight bit Doe Pro two that Hunter uh, recommended I get and I do uh, I do love. Um, so there is a way to get this game to work in a way that you like if you're doing it through Steam. So I, I think people should seek that out rather than maybe fiddling with the PC controls because they're just incredibly obtuse on PC. And unless you're into that kind of thing, which like, Hunter, you, you sort of are. Like, just like, hey, this is what they built, so I'm going to do it the way the chef intended it, sort of. I mean, that's that's generally your vibe.
1: Um, I mean, I found it uh, the experience uh, frustrating at times, sure. but I definitely did not have like so much difficulty that it's just when it was difficult yeah it was like well that wasn't my fault right like that was just like this game basically yeah um but i mean it wasn't no i mean i i think i was able to play through this game in like two days so i mean it was was not it it was not a super difficult game um i do want to mention uh steam controller so good and you can get it right now from Amazon. They have one left in stock. It costs $234.99. So if you want a game like Matt, like Matt is no, recommending I you games, you can spend oh $234.99 and you can get on that Steam controller level. I explicitly said not the actual
0: physical Steam controller. I am talking about the control. I just don't I know. think... I think Steam does a really bad job talking up their own controller settings. And it's actually, to me the best thing that steam does in terms of their platform is like you can reroute literally any controller that you plug into it uh and and make the games however you want them to be so uh more people need to know about that and this is like a perfect example
1: game of why you might want to do that essentially so yeah it would have been much better to get to play it on an n64 yeah. with an n64 controller um even though i know that experience would have also been messy uh fairly difficult because the n64 controller kind of sucks uh in my opinion i'm one of those people that thinks it sucks and i think i don't know it does it does suck um but it's it is interesting it has a wild feel in the hands because Mm -hmm. they made it so that you couldn't touch all of it at once what a weird decision (laughs) they are handing you a controller and they'll be like we set this up so that you can't touch all of it at the same time so please don't try to do that because we set it up for you to not do that yeah um which is it's cool (laughs) it's so cool i would really like to play this on an n64 it's a shame that you know with an old game especially an n64 era game it feels like it's kind of difficult to get the authentic n64 experience like that has kind of lost the time unless you still have your n64 right which is kind of a bummer yeah
0: yeah it sucks that we haven't gotten n64 emulation into like a comfortable position and even more so is the idea that like this game and the legacy of this game has really, really been lost The time. We talked for a while about like this movie was intended as like a big, a big deal, right? It was supposed to be a part of the Star Wars conversation in the 90s. It was a critical part of all of the things they were doing. And I think if you are even if you didn't start like engaging with that stuff until like the year, even like 2001, you would not. You, you could easily not know that this stuff exists like at all. And, and the idea that like the legacy of these games is getting like almost unwritten because people like Nintendo aren't putting any investment in keeping <laughs> their old stuff around. Uh, we, we went on this bit with Journey to Silius a little bit, but I think it really makes me mad with this game, the way, the way it's been done so dirty and that just like no one is out there trying to, like what this game needs, is a big remaster where they sort of refine tune the controls so that it is playable in a modern environment and also release it like alongside the book and comic book and soundtrack. Like, I want that criterion collection of everything that was this multimedia experience because that is something that is getting lost to time and it like is really a shame because it's very cool that they did this.
1: Yeah, I have an alternate pitch don't remaster it. <laughs> just let me play it right I, I well yeah i, do not I, 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 I don't even modernize. mean
0: yeah i don't mean like a remake i guess i just mean republish it get it all packaged together again
1: yeah i don't know that i care about anything except for the game though i did not particularly like the story of this game it didn't really like resonate me with me at all uh especially even in replaying it i just i don't, I don't care yeah um let me play weird in 64 games get the emulation figured out, and give me an N64 controller to play with, and I'll happily pay you, I don't know, money for that privilege. (laughs) I would like to own the game, and I would like it to feel as close as possible to the N64, and I want to play it with an N64 controller, and I want that to cost a reasonable amount of money. I think that's all. That's not... I feel like that's not too much to ask. That's not a crazy thing to ask for. You do not need to take the extra time to, like... I don't know polish it because I especially with this game right i think it is it's useful seeing that like this is how people thought you know 3d games should feel at the time you know later things get more polished yeah but sometimes it's fun to play the kind of rough initial version of totally. something and i feel like that's what shadows of the empire is for like a number of uh star wars games to follow and a number of 3d games to follow i mean like i said it's a a majority of this game is a third person shooter which is a style of game that isn't a big deal at the time yeah. you know eventually thir- the third person shooter has its day in the sun but at this point it's kind of just like this weird thing that every time someone does one, they feel weird and nev- nothing is quite figured out. Yeah. On the N64, it wasn't even possible, I think, for a third-person shooter to feel good because you didn't have two sticks. Yeah. You didn't... You, there was no way... To control to, that. ...for your camera to, to really work good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think you that that experience is what should be preserved, is playing a third-person shooter and your camera sucks. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wish we had... Uh more official channels to uh experience the history of stuff because hey like you can go watch a movie from the 70s pretty easily and you can barely play a video game from 1997 that's like that's yeah. the world video games are in right now it's it is a cry and shame
1: yeah it's pretty weird um should we get to the ranking do yeah. we have
0: anything else we want to put in no i f- i feel like we've covered all there is which means it's time to put this thing on the map we have not okay. talked especially highly of it. Um, I didn't even finish it. So obviously, once again, I'm probably the the low ball. The negative. The yeah, negative, the negative And one. I'll be the positive. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I'll we, be honest. Wait, have yeah. we
1: done a single
0: game yes. where you have been... We did. We, we forced it last week. I'm pretty sure. Or in oh, in one did. of the recent ones, we were like, I, ha- I I I can't just be the negative Nancy every single right. time. Like right. I've got to I've got to be positive in some regard. Okay. And, well, and, and maybe it makes more sense to do it the other way. I think we would have a, a smaller gap if it was like the person who felt bad about it chose the upper echelon. But I don't. I don't care. Um, regardless, I mean this this one is this is pretty bad. So I'm gonna say the the lower echelon of where this could go, like. This could be the worst game on the list. Do I think it's actually going to be? No, but I do wow. think the conversation exists. That Matt could would be... put a game as the lowest on the list that he hasn't even played. I'm not saying wow. I'm going to. I'm saying I would. I could. That's, a, the uh, that's possible. The lack of
1: respect for the project <laughs> rears its ugly head. I can't believe you you would you? bestow that honor <laughs> uh-huh. of being the worst yeah. game on the list to a game you didn't even play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play. Get it, get it out of your system,
0: and then tell me that you're gonna put it as high as like you know the third from the last thing on this list or whatever. How high can this go for you? I want to hear it. Um, twenty-one. You is think the it? Highest, I you think it could be better than Sonic the Hedgehog from 1991, but worse than Final Fantasy
1: VII, essentially. I think it's. I think it is. I think it has a lot of interesting history totally. in it. Yep. Um. it is it is a game that i i don't push back on the idea that this game is rough to play yeah but it is fascinating like i can't think of a game yeah where at like like more so than this game where after they were finished with it like all these other developers like basically cannibalized mm-hmm. it just like came in and took the the parts mm-hmm. and were like i'm taking this over here <laughs> and i'm gonna make a, a whole game out of this you know yeah. like that's interesting and i'm down to recognize that with putting it as high as 21 100 um, so
0: here's the range we've got it is either it is somewhere between uh underneath final fantasy 7 at 20 sonic the hedgehog 1991 mass effect 1 journey to cilius for the nes solar ash halo 2 killer instinct uh for the snes i wonder if, Hunter, we did eventually get a comment on twitter about our killer instinct episode being mm-hmm. it is such a shame that we didn't get to play it uh, in an arcade cabinet, which we noted. It's not like this is a person right. like, correcting us, but uh, they were like, it was such, it's so good in the cabinet. Killer Instinct's really good when you play it in an arcade. So anyways, the, so I, I want to kind of say the Killer Instinct that we rated is explicitly the SNES Killer Instinct. That's my okay. new retcon. Maybe we'll do it again. Maybe yeah. we'll do it again as an arcade cabinet game. Uh, and then War of the Monsters and then Sonic Adventure. So it's going somewhere there in our bottom uh, nine, roughly. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. all right. Let's start with Sonic Adventure versus Star Wars Shadows yeah. of the Empire. Okay. I uh, said it could
0: go as low as this stuff, but it's it's definitely not because Sonic Adventure uh, made you actively angry with the direction of the project and everything, and I won thousand percent. I never get angry. I'm yeah. i exactly. never angry on this show. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be stated how big of a deal that is. And uh, to, your, to the credit of what you were just saying a second ago, like, I... You can see the design brilliance of this game. I can't say that I see the design brilliance of Sonic Adventure. I don't know that it's there under the hood. There's some cool stuff in it, but, like, Star Wars led to so many great things. It is obviously better than sonic adventure so i will already concede there's no way i would put star also wars you didn't play list. star wars shadows of the empire well so i still am here shouldn't... i have to be a part of this ranking somehow so we're trying right. tra- hunter you're trapped
1: in here with me i'm sorry i know welcome I get to the it. cage match <laughs> i get it um so next is war of the monsters uh this is i think tricky because i don't i didn't really play this game <laughs> and you didn't really play the game today so this yeah. is yeah this do- is tough <laughs> Um I mean I played I I'll I'll say this though I I I played enough War of the Monsters for you uh-huh. that is whereas I, I don't know I, if you played enough Shadows of the Empire for me Sure basically. I'll I'll do it this way uh I I played War of the
0: Monsters in the day when it was made when it was released There's nothing impressive about it. There's nothing technically or anything impressive about it even then. And the idea that Shadows of an Empire as a effectively N64 launch title had some impressive qualities clearly makes it a a, for its time and for its technological uh, limitations was still an achievement. Whereas War of the Monsters, I don't think, is any sort of notable achievement of any system.
1: Yeah, Shadows of the Empire blew somebody's mind. Right. <laughs> whereas War of the Monsters blew zero minds <laughs> even at the time. Yeah. Um, okay. Killer Instinct versus uh Killer Instinct Super NES version versus Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. Um I don't know. This is hard. I don't really uh, know what
0: Hey, guess what? Doot doot. It's time to go to Matt's frustration rankings. Uh, oh, we're here God. again uh, because Star Wars o- Shadows sucks. of the Empire is a thing <laughs> I couldn't even finish. The current Matt's frustration rankings so far in this show is top of the list. Killer Instinct, which is why we're bringing it up now. Number two, Halo 2, which is about to come up in a second. Jet Set Radio, which is a game I love. So it's weird that it's on my frustration rankings and just show, goes to show you just because I'm frustrated with the game don't mean I don't think it's good. And then Mass Effect. Uh, Shadows of the Empire needs to go on this list. It needs to go in the top five yeah. of my frustration okay. rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, Killer Instinct actually does my body uh, problems. It it messes with the chemical balance of the things inside my body.
1: Physical and, harm. Yeah, physical harm to me. It's possibly caused <laughs> damage in the brain. Yes. Basically. Uh,
0: Star Wars Shadows <laughs> of the Empire, not that. Just don't care enough about Star Wars to continue it and was so fiddly. And if anything, too, that fiddliness was not how it was originally built. Like we're talking about a thing that was kind of thrown together for PC nine months after it was released for N64 and then forgotten to time and GOG revived it and tried to make it playable on modern systems. I don't even know how much of what we, what you and I Hunter played is similar to what you would have played on PC in 1998. You know what I mean? Like it's, or in 1997, it's hard to know how much is lost to the like, conversion of making it work on windows you know 10 or 11 versus windows 95 um yeah so the frustration is purely uh mechanical and not something that like hurts me and and my soul uh and number two on the list halo 2's frustration comes from a place of i think that this is bad level design and it is boring and uh, upsets me so i would put uh, Shadows of the Empire third on my frustration ranking list. Uh, it is more frustrating than Jet Set Radio uh, to me, um, but that is not explicitly a knock against the quality of the game. But uh, Jet Set Radio is another game that I actually did not on the recent playthrough
1: finish all of. So they they, think they share that quality. I was gonna I was gonna let this kind of pass without asking this follow-up sure but it's come up so many times now and you just did a uh, a segment on it i need you to describe like what specific because you got the controls working good so what about this game made you really frustrated the- because i know what makes you frustrated about these other games and yeah. so it's like kind of weird if i don't know exactly what it is i if not the controls because i didn't like the i didn't Like the movement in the butter shoes was tough.
0: Well, so I am separating the control scheme from the physics of the game. So the butter shoes, I would not call the controls. The butter shoes are like something else happening. So I got the controls working. I could fly the ship kind of okay, pretty, pretty fine. But the walking around was still, it felt like I was, um, putting myself up against the system rather than just getting to play the game. It felt like I was constantly fiddling with the settings of my controls to make sure they were doing what they were supposed to do, and then the butter shoes would kick in. And, I, I mean, nothing, nothing really gets at me faster than when um, I die... For an inexplicable thing that wasn't like my fault. Um, actually, that's not true. When it's explicitly my fault, that's what gets me the most mad because then it's like <laughs> you're not good enough and you failed. But right? it does also definitely make me mad when it's just like, well, the game glitched out and and so you lost a bunch of progress and and that 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 desert level really has that going for it where it's like quite long and then you can just fall off and gotta, gotta get set back kind of a lot. So yeah, it's it's that lack of finesse that can really, really eke away at me. Um and that was that's like kind of similar with Jet Sight Radio, right? Jet Set Radio, like, the controls are fine, but it's like sometimes you don't snap onto the grind rail the way you want to, or like right. getting the camera to turn around and do what you want like throws you into a bad situation that kind of ruins your whole run of the level or whatever. That stuff like really makes it hard for me to continue in a game.
1: Yeah, i I think that makes sense. It's just like if something has a finicky nature, if you don't feel like it's like going to always deliver the same outcome depending on like what it is that you're doing with it yeah yeah i think that makes sense um okay let's get back to the to the ranking conversation um what do we think i mean obviously killer instinct has a higher frustration ranking level but what does that mean as far as us ranking it on the list um i i definitely
0: just as a genre like all the genres of Shadows of of the Empire more than uh, fighting Yeah, there's no
1: fighting game level huh
0: yeah and so I don't know it's hard to compare the two because I just don't like fighting games (laughs) Um, but especially the obtuseness of Killer Instincts uh, era of fighting games where it's just like figure out the combos I guess I don't know man whatever leave me alone um, is not the same as the fiddliness of Shadows of an Empire and the vision of Shadows of an Empire, I think is more noteworthy and important uh, than mm-hmm. Killer Instincts. Killer Instinct is just sort of like another iteration of fighting game design, whereas Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, like you said earlier, has this scale to it. This like, this is a big, like it's all of these things in once and it's, I don't know, it just feels bombastic in a way that I appreciate.
1: Okay. Um, Halo 2 versus Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Now I think it gets a little bit tougher. Yeah, Halo 2 is... Frustrated us on this show but there are also things we liked about it yeah that are distinct as far as like the multiplayer mm-hmm. and uh the times that we had with our friends back in the day yeah also it had it casts a long shadow so like it's not like one has a legacy and one doesn't sure we played both we both played halo 2 yeah. which is a that's a big boon for it <laughs> um what do you think Um,
0: yeah, I, I think that there's, even though Halo 2 often makes me actively angry, um, that sense of scale is on a really similar page, actually. I would say, like, Halo 2 is trying to take the, the, like, oh, whoa, we had lightning in a bottle with Halo, let's ramp it up and make this, like, a big deal. It was super, super bombastic, like, kind of as much as, I would say, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire wanted to be, um, Halo 2 is not, like ushering in a new console generation but it did have you know xbox live kind of under its belt in terms of uh new things it was bringing about to the industry matchmaking was a was a huge deal i think there's a lot of feathers in halo 2's cap um and there's a lot of feathers in shadows of the empire's cap and because i wasn't there for shadows of an empire uh, of the empire I I struggle to know how to compare the two. I I think I lean a little bit more into your judgment on this one.
1: Hmm. Well, if it's up to me, I mean, obviously, I said that 21 is the highest I would let Shadows of the Empire go. But it feels I was kind of I, I was kind of hoping we would have more back and forth on it that would maybe make it struggle so maybe i said 21 kind of hopefully i think we both do that i I think when we say our top what we're really saying is like in a
0: crazy world where we like let the conversation get away from us it could end up getting this high but we never intend for it to get that high necessarily
1: yeah i don't think it should go past halo 2 yeah i don't think so i think i think it should stay under halo 2 Okay. Can you I, I, can you give me
0: like a, a a final take on that? Like a big a, a, the the reason, the nail in its coffin.
1: Um, I think like it's it's an interesting game, and I would recommend that uh, people check it out if you are not going to be put off by yeah. the jankiness of it. If you're just interested in video game history. But the problem is that if I'm making a historical argument for something, then Halo 2 has more historical points. Like, uh-huh. if it had made it past Halo 2, it could have made it past Solar Ash, yep. past Journey to Silius, sure. and then we would have a similar problem with Mass Effect, right? Yes, right. But the fact that there always is, like, kind of an angle on a game like this, mm-hmm. like, because you can't make an argument that, like, all aspects of it are interesting, Right if you're specifically emphasizing one part and then you run up against something where oh you're kind of in a similar arena there yeah. i feel like it's hard to justify it going forward
0: yeah i i think this works and if anything too, it gives the opportunity for much like halo 2's follow you know halo 3 we we ranked way too high there's some star wars games that can can get way up there you know this is the this is the the uh, genesis of those ideas but uh, Star Wars climbs plenty higher with later iterations and I think that's kind of the vibe we, we have with Halo 2. I would love to see some Star Wars games maybe
1: get higher than Halo Three. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't really care about I mean, do you like Star Wars games or something? What the what are you talking about? I'm just saying, what Star, Star Wars, Wars is game good? is it that you want in the top ten?
0: <laughs> I'm not saying top ten. I don't think by the time we get there. I mean Halo 3... by the time we do another
1: Star Wars game, Halo Three is gonna be like thirty fifth or something. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I mean I don't know about that, but what what Star Wars game, Matt, would you put in the top ten? Like, what Whoa. are you talking about when you say no, that? No, I don't, I don't, I can't say
0: I specifically
1: have a game in
0: mind. I don't, I, I don't have a long history with Star Wars games. Man, that Phantom Menace game, super good, huh? Yeah, let's put that one in the top ten. Yeah, okay, uh, the Phantom Menace movie game. On our, it's a joke. That's a joke for you.
1: It's not a joke. It's it not a, a joke. joke. It feels like it feels like you're. Feels like you're disrespecting the list. I feel like the list is disrespected. I feel like you you're you're not taking the list seriously and I know a show, game that could be to top
0: 10. One of the Kotor's could get up there, who knows. Maybe. Those yeah. Are, those are some important
1: games. Yeah, have you ever have you ever played those? Those uh, are I good.
0: Have, I've played an insignificant chunk of Kotor 1. All right. Yeah yeah all right, but hey I like Bioware it's just one i've never I've never had a reason to to stick with it necessarily but i've never dis, i've never stopped playing it because I didn't like it I'll say that much it's just one mm-hmm. of those games that I forgot about and th- other things started to happen so that, i don't know kotor is
1: tough because it kind of it does maybe it doesn't feel so good i, I wonder if that'll be an episode if we when we well, get there's to that KOTOR. kotor
0: remaster coming out right there there's that team working on like a new uh, version oh, yeah. or something we'll, yeah we'll, i don't we'll even probably know do
1: that i don't even know what that is um the it's like a remake or something yeah um i don't know anything about it though It. it i feel like it's gonna have to feel different in mm-hmm. order for it to break in the top 10 but we'll see i don't know i also don't like like it's kind of weird. We like started this episode being like we both don't really care about Star Wars. The now it feels like we're really talking about Star Wars. Like <laughs> Star Wars really matters. Star Wars, uh, sucks, and Star Trek yeah. Forever, yeah, uh, yeah, is. I always where want. I, feel. I always
0: want Star Wars to win me over, and so far it never has. Uh, that's my take on Star Wars. A and Star Trek, I don't know, could win me over. I I don't have any. Probably won't. I don't Probably have an opinion. No, 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 Star Trek. I don't have an opinion one way or another. I have not engaged with Star Trek in any sense my dad i grew up with next generation on in the background all the time that's my mm. experience with star trek so i'm actually quite excited to experience star trek for effectively the very first time
1: yeah well i'm excited to put all this work into this uh, i've been working on this cut of star trek tng for over a year now mm-hmm. and i'm really excited uh for you to check it out and bounce on like episode six because there are a lot of season one episodes that i am putting in the thing and, that's and i'm like man, Matt, matt's just not even gonna watch this i don't even know who i'm doing this for i'm like put i have this like spreadsheet open and i'm like this is for no one this yeah. is literally for no one it's for so your own if, mental exercise if you want this yeah please email me how, how far along are you how like much is it. left
0: i want to know when we get to start this project
1: um i'm in season five now out of um, seven 10 out of seven seasons yeah seven okay seven seasons getting close okay cool. i'm getting pretty close getting pretty close i watched the the season five premiere just the other day so like i just entered season five okay um which is a interesting era of the show where it really starts firing on on all cylinders and it'll be very difficult to kind of pare it down um, yeah. My goal is to be around seventy. It's not a hard cap at seventy. But, you were but I to definitely do 10 would not
0: episodes per season, basically. Well, like, rough,
1: but that's changed, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really. I don't really care about ten episodes per season. I just want the seventy-ish cap yeah. to be right, basically. Um, I so I mean, if that means. Some seasons get less than 10 episodes so that other seasons can get more. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. is a likely thing to happen. I don't know why we're talking about this at the end of this episode, but it's better
0: because it's better than Star Wars. And that's that's important to me uh, that everyone know that. Hey, uh, you can email us at oldgamersalmanac at gmail.com and let us know your favorite Star Wars games. What are the ones we should try and, and see where they go on this list? And uh, let us know if you want to hear this uh, really weird Star Trek project Hunter's got going. And uh, if you've got episode suggestions, uh, I don't think Hunter will be taking suggestions, but maybe you can suggest nope. something and he can be like, oh, yeah, I didn't put that on my list. Tough, tough. ha. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, actually, you can send me an episode suggestion if you have a, like a logic to back it up. And because the logic for me is trying to make the show feel cohesive yeah. and have things reference each. Because, you know, they they wrote a lot of connective tissue right. in between all. It's not a serialized show, but it has elements of that. And I think some of the bad episodes help some of the good episodes be even gooder. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point. So Even you know, gooder. If you want to message me ideas about it, that's chill. Uh, just keep that in mind that that is my goal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll see you next time. And remember, I want to fly high.
0: Thank y'all for listening to Old Gamers Almanac. Produced by Hunter Donaldson and Matt Martins. Music by Knight Corey.